0: Welcome to another episode of the Wild Strength Podcast. Today is Friday, and I'm really trying to decide if I want to post these every Friday or every other Friday. My original plan was every other Friday, um, but I have already recorded so many great conversations with so many people that I kind of just want to put them out there already, and I can't wait every other Friday. Um, I mean, there has been one that I missed because I was hunting. Uh, and I assume I'll get to a point where every Friday is not feasible Um, but I guess for right now I'll put them out as I have them I'll share them as I have these conversations and uh, maybe it ends up being every Friday, maybe it doesn't we'll just see Uh, but anyways, today's episode is with my good friend Brad Godbold Um, he is an army veteran turned strength coach Um, and we get into yeah, kind of what he did in the army, a little bit about what that looked like, Um, mostly his transition out of the army and to becoming a strength coach. Um, And then we get into some mental health things, which is really why I wanted to have him on here. Um, Brad is really big on mental health, specifically men's mental health, um, which is something that is near and dear to my heart, especially with populations that I work with and have worked with. Um, He gets into a story that is very near and dear to him um about his kind of mental health journey uh and I do kind of want to preface this episode with saying that we do have a conversation around suicide um if that is a topic that triggers you or something that's hard for you to listen to um I just ask that you tread this episode lightly um and also know that I am not a professional by any means uh but always know that whether I know you or not If that's something that's on your mind, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, If you don't know me personally, find me on Instagram, shoot me a message if you feel like you have no one else to talk to. And I promise I'll be there as an ear to listen to whatever it is that you need to get off of your chest. Um, But anyways, yeah, we go on to talk about Brad's mental health journey. Uh, We talk a little bit about hunting in the outdoors has helped him with that. And really just how having good people in your life and having people who support you um, that are close to you can really help with your mental health as well. Um, He even goes in to talk about guys. Uh, getting his hormones looked at, which played a big role um, in his mental health also. Um, He tells a little bit of a story about that. So I'll let you get into listening so you can hear what he has to talk about. Uh, But with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the wild strength podcast where we will talk about all things wild and all things strength related and everything in between. Today, my guest is Brad Godbold. I actually don't know if I've ever said your last name before. Did I say it right? (laughs)
1: You did say it right. Okay, yeah.
0: sweet. I'm like, that was the first time it's actually come out of my mouth. Brad Godbold. Um, and, and as I've kind of mentioned in previous episodes, I'm starting by asking every guest what their walk-up song would be. And this is a way for you to get to know my guest. And then maybe I learned something new about them as well. So, Brad, what is your walk-up song?
1: Um, I'm sure everybody said it's really hard to pick one song. Um, it kind of goes through the, the seasons of change. But a song that's kind of been... Uh, there for me when I need that like just kind of extra step or extra like pickup in whatever whether I'm running, training, whatever it is is uh, Eminem Till I Collapse
0: okay that's a good one some of these I haven't even heard before the ones that some people are uh, mentioning
1: off of I think his first album so it was an old Yeah, one. I, mean, I-, I have one. heard
0: this one though so we're gonna play a short clip of it get the, the vibe going for the podcast yeah I think that's a classic. You, you can't go wrong.
1: That's, that's cadence, uh, like an army cadence in the kind of the background, and like okay, this yeah. was me even before I joined the army.
0: Okay, that that makes sense, which that'll get into. I'm glad you mentioned that. We'll talk a little bit about that here. Um, Yeah, so this is Brad. Um, I met Brad through Instagram actually, but we have a lot of mutual connections um, Mm -hmm. and strength and conditioning, um, specifically kind of in the tactical space um, and happened to be spending some time in North Carolina earlier in the year. He's living out there, reached out to him um and then quickly became like really good friends after that and kind of the rest is history um so brad i'll kind of let you introduce yourself talk a little bit about uh, your background both in the military and as a strength coach and then we'll see where this goes
1: yeah um so uh yeah i served in the in the army um i did uh, 11 years total between um active duty and national guard um got to do some really cool stuff um was an artilleryman my, my entire career, but I uh, got to do some uh, stuff with Rangers um, towards the end of my career, which was really cool. Um, then, I, when I got out, when I was transitioning, um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was into fitness, into sports, and, and in the Army, so I didn't really have a lot of transferable skills. Um, but a mentor of mine mentioned um, like the exercise science as a degree field, so. Uh, when I got out, I started when I was in the process of transitioning, I started looking into that, um, found a really good exercise science program in New York, uh, which because That's where my wife wanted to move back up to when I got out as well. She's from that area. Um, got into school, had some really amazing professors. Um, um, and being a little bit older, kind of uh, I, my college years were my Billy Madison years. Um, I was sitting, and I showed up and I'm like, uh, I'm fresh out. I started growing a beard when I got off of active duty. So I'm-
0: As I'm, most do.
1: Yeah. So I'm um, 27, 28 at this time, uh, bald, tattooed, bearded. I'm going to class with these 18 to 22 year olds. So I stand out, obviously. Um, i had a couple of professors that kind of picked me out. Um, one of them just happened to be the head strength coach of the college I attended, Long Island University um, Richard James. And he basically, he called me after class one day. It was like, when you're not at home, when you're not in class, come to the gym. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what you want me to do, but sure. I'll, I'll go spend time in the gym with a bunch of uh, college teams. Um, so that was my first semester of school. And I, it, it just became apparent to me right then that I wanted to become a strength coach. And so that's what I started gearing all of my classes towards in that exercise science program. Um, was fortunate enough to parlay that into an internship with University of South Carolina um, under Jeff Dillman. Uh, Came back, started grad school, um, became uh, an actual paid assistant coach at LIU. Um, Left there, started sports performance program at a local uh, charter school in Brooklyn. Um, did really well and successful that program. With And then it just kind of transitioned into me going to NYU as the director of sports performance. Um, and then the Army started bringing in this H2F program. And I, that was a natural transition for me. I was like, you know, I served 11. At this point, I, I, I finished the National Guard and everything. So I'd served 11 years. Uh, and I was like, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. So like I have an opportunity to now go and take what I've learned as uh, as a, as a professional coach and take that back to the population that is the, really the closest to me. Like, uh, so that came up and then I I jumped on it, went out to um, Tennessee uh, to Fort Campbell and um, absolutely loved it. It was um, something that just, Felt right. I mean, I I was there, I was waking up every morning, I was doing PT with the soldiers, leading the training sessions, educating leaders, um, and it got to really make a really big impact, Um, which probably still be there, um, which is kind of a good transition if it weren't for like some mental health things that that popped up for both myself and my wife, we're landlocked in Tennessee, the town, uh, if you're familiar with Fort Campbell, you know, Clarksville is, it's not, uh, it's not wonderful. Um, so I had the opportunity for something else that popped up, um, in Wilmington here, which was bringing us, bringing us back to the coast. Um, and that catches us up to now.
0: Yeah. No. So, uh, and for those who aren't familiar with H2F, it's the holistic health and fitness program within the army. Um, and they have slowly over the last couple of years started to contract out strength coaches, dietitians, physical therapists, athletic trainers, and really just in a way to build, yeah, this holistic health program for um, service members and slowly other branches are starting to catch on. Um, special operations was definitely the first to do it. And then now conventional military is starting to do it as well. And something that I and then you as well are, are very passionate about in a population that we're very passionate about, like working with and helping um, just because of the nature of, of what goes on in that field, really, no matter what job you're doing, right? Like if you have an office job, it can still be just as stressful as someone who's a combat operator. Right. Um, And so, yeah, population that are very passionate about and you as well. Do you feel when, I know you spent a lot of time in like the collegiate setting um, but then you kind of said you felt called to work in the army as a strength coach. Do you feel like your prior experience uh, in the army kind of helped you in that role relative to other coaches that you were working with and what did that look like?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, One of the first things I noticed was uh, what we all struggle with at all levels, no matter where you coach, is the buzzword everybody likes to use is Mm -hmm. buy-in. I noticed that a lot of my peers, both at uh, Fort Campbell and just across the H2F program in general, were having trouble with that. Um, Aside from other coaches like myself that had spent any amount of time in the military, I came in and I had the experience from the collegiate team setting I had the military experience so i knew the the lingo the talk i knew how to to talk to, to junior soldiers i knew how to talk to senior leaders um like i saw other coaches that really struggled um to get really close-knit in the community um and another thing that helps too is in in all verticals of strength condition or human performance is looking the part so you got some coaches who you know much smarter than I am when it comes to, like, the knowledge of, like, the, the intricacies, intricacies of strength and conditioning and the science of it. But if you don't look the part, especially in the Army, it's hard to get the buy-in from the leaders because they want somebody who looks like they know what they're talking about to be talking about it. Um, yeah. Those are probably the two biggest things in, I think two in, in is... the tactical realm.
0: Yeah, I think too is they're already so used to being told what to do all the time from their leadership and the military mm-hmm. that now they have a contracted person who's not even in the military who's also coming in and telling them what to do and there's kind of that like if I get told what to do one more fucking time <laughs> like well, I don't like it, it, I think that the, like so the the phrase buy in um I think that makes it the hardest. Um, but then in my experience, I have found that if you come in as a coach and you don't try to bark orders at them and you tell them what to do, and this has kind of always been my philosophy as a coach, no matter what college, high school, um, like military, whoever I'm working with, like, if you don't want to be here, don't be here and leave, like get out of my weight room. I don't want you here if you don't want to train and granted like, in the in all settings I've worked in, it's almost been required that they were there. But I would kind of always let leadership or the coach know, like, I don't want them here if they don't want to be here, if that was an option, right? Like, I was working in a training pipeline uh, for Air Force Special Warfare. And obviously, they're required to be there. So I can't tell them to get out of the weight room. Um, But I think when you have that mentality with that population, they're like, okay, well, if I don't have to be here, I'm going to leave. And like, the people who are staying like are getting taken care of. So maybe I'm going to buy into what they're doing versus buying into the coach themselves. And then that buy-in comes in over time.
1: Yeah. One of the strategies I used, um, to kind of combat that. Um, so I was the installation lead at Fort Campbell, but I like worked directly with just, I had an assigned battalion that I worked to. So for those listening that don't you know understand the levels of it. So, um, If you put it in a collegiate setting, um, you know, the platoon essentially would be like a team. Mm -hmm. All right. Then you got multiple platoons in, uh, in a company. So that might be, if you were to like break it down by sport. So sport, you're going to have men's and women's um, generally, or it might be even a co-ed. So like, say, just take basketball. So basketball would be the company. Then you've got the battalion. The battalion would be the athletics department. And then the brigade would be like, athletics and recreation, and then it gets bigger and bigger as you go. So I was working with, uh, essentially the same as like an entire, I was a st- like strength coach at a D three college, mm-hmm. all the teams. Um, and, but I had the ability to pick and choose who I wanted to work with. Um, and so I just kind of started at the ground level versus starting at the top and went and I was the first few weeks was literally just making relationships with the, with the different, uh, leaders and, then kind of just figured out who wanted to utilize this new resource that was available and who was kind of like ah you know what i think we're good and i went where i was wanted started making a change there and then the other one started noticing oh wait a minute this this platoon or this company is getting their acft scores going up their injury rates going down what's going on like why are we not why are they making us look bad and then it's kind of like buy in by necessity because it's like okay well i can't be the worst company in the battalion so what are they doing that we're not doing? And then it starts to like get you spread that way. So I found where I wanted to go. I was, I, I treated myself like water and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm flowing over here or we're going to work over here and I'm going to dedicate my attention to this group that wants to work with me. Yeah. And then when they start seeing the results, then everybody else is going to go, well, wait a minute. Well, they're using him they're, See the results, so it's kind of I, I, I utilize that strategy.
0: Yeah, I like the kind of the metaphor there, of like being fluid, like water, and just going where the people want you, and that's where you're gonna not only like legitimately have the biggest impact, but feel like you're making an impact as well. And then as people start to see those changes being made, they'll kind of follow mm-hmm. suit. You had mentioned uh, like transitioning out of the military and deciding what you wanted to do. What what was really the idea or the reasoning behind going into strength and conditioning because it's definitely not an easy field to get into it's a very low paid field from the beginning there's a lot of unpaid work that you have to do early on and then even once you are higher up in it like unfortunately the nature of it is you don't make a whole lot of money in the field Uh, but nonetheless people are still like me and you are drawn to it and we're passionate about it and we love it um what yeah what was kind of that deciding factor for you
1: um See, I think passion is definitely, it's the key. And like, so when I talk to any young people who are in school or that are thinking about strength and conditioning, the first thing I tell them is like, if this is not something that you're passionate about now, pick something else. Because it's, if you're not passionate about it now, you're not, you're likely not going to develop a passion for it. Absolutely. And the passion can get extinguished over the years as well. Uh, When I got out at this point, you know, I age myself a little bit. (laughs) Um, graduated high school in 2006, um, had the opportunity to play sports in college. Didn't, I knew at that point I wanted to join the army right out of high school, but I graduated at 17 parents were like, you've got this opportunity you need to do it. We're not going to sign for you. So I had, I had to go once the, the next year when I turned 18 and I knew I didn't like college. I wasn't a good student when I was growing up. I, I was a mediocre student, I didn't do homework. You know, school was not for me. Um, so I came back and I was like, I'm 18 now. You can't tell me what to do anymore. So I'm joining the army and, mm-hmm. and I left. Um, but through sports, that was, you know, as a typical athlete, the only part I enjoyed about high school was sports. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the gym then. My dad started me in the gym when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. Um, and, you know, so now for the better part of twenty eight 20 plus years. That's been a part of my life. I and mean, there's been ebbs and flows in there. Um, but so when I got out, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I have no transferable skills to the real world. Um, I knew that I wasn't a suit and tie kind of person. So like an MBA was out of the question. Um, I, so that was, I was, so I was undeclared, um, that first semester and just taking a, a bachelor of science and then, I picked classes that were like related to what I want to do I was like, and that's where I met the head strength coach and so then it was like okay well what is strength conditioning because I had no clue what it was uh, it was I didn't have it in high school I didn't have it the year that I played college sports um, we didn't have a strength coach so I didn't know what, what strength conditioning was and then so when I got introduced to it I was like okay this is what I want to do there's a lot of similarities between military and strength conditioning as far as in the leadership position and having the ability to make a positive impact on people in both a physical and a mental way. Um, so I saw that parallel immediately and I was like, okay, now I get to work with people who are just younger than me. So I'm I'm able to kind of a mentor a little bit because, you know, I'm coming on fresh out of college, but I'm not much older than some of these kids mm-hmm. four or five years. And now I had the opportunity to lean on my experience and in the real world in the military and, Now in fitness, which I've got years of experience, not professionally, but, you know, I've been in the gym since I was 11, 12 years Mm -hmm. old. So it was like, okay, I've got now this this opportunity to make an impact on people's lives. And that's kind of something that I've always felt was like my calling, which is why I joined the Army. Like I wanted to do something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I got out, I was lost. I'm like, how do I do? And I didn't even know. I couldn't even really like verbalize it at the time or conceptualize what it is that I wanted to do on a bigger scale. Cause like there, you can impact people's lives in a positive way in many different ways. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can do it. But for me it was, you know, army and then physical fitness. Like that's my vessel for being able to make an impact
0: on people. Yeah. And- yeah. I think for <laughs> anyone who might be listening who is like currently military or you are retired or out of it and currently a veteran, I've started to find more, at least maybe because of what I do is why I run into these kind of people. Um, but more and more people are wanting to transition out and get into coaching and human performance and all of that. And, and it, for exact reasons, like you said, they're they're passionate about who they've been working with in the military. And they, jo- they obviously joined the military for a reason. And then they also see like the work that can be done on the outside of it to help these individuals because we all know that the VA isn't doing a very good job of that. And so the, the more that we can input people who generally just care about humans right i think at the end of the day the best coaches strength and conditioning coaches and even physical therapists athletic trainers like human performance personnel and professionals like just care about the human at the end of the day and like whether it's a professional athlete a collegiate athlete or a service member someone in the military like i think ultimately we're drawn to that field like i said it is long hours and low pay but more importantly than that we care about the human itself uh and and that Mm -hmm. you do find those kind of people who are transitioning out of the military and I think that they're a great fit for that because like you said earlier you do really get that buy-in I guess easier and you can relate more and you and not even just that but you understand what they're going through more so than someone who's not been through that and I think that's going to be huge too um as far as like you had mentioned something that you did with mops and mows and I had saw that it was like a graphic you put out for a sample of a quality sound program would look like for someone who is in the military. And I didn't mention in the introductions, but Brad is an avid hunter as well. Um, and so I had kind of mentioned on a podcast that I did previously with Joel Rather that like training for the outdoors, whether it is hunting or something in the outdoors is very similar to maybe what you would do for training um, in the military. And so for you, like what? What did that? What can you kind of walk through what that looked like, and then kind of yeah, what what a sound program is, and just like kind of the minimum things that that you would include for someone looking to get better in those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, um, so th- having to one adjust my philosophy a little bit, and leaving the the collegiate world and going to tactical world, um, based off of knowing what. Uh, that I'm not really going to have a lot of control. Commanders are still going to have their intent. So I mean, you're familiar with the, the phrase commander's intent, um, and that's going to dictate a lot of how training goes. Um, also, access to equipment. Um, at, the, at the levels that I worked at as a civilian with H2F, the equipment was by far the limiting factor in my program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that graphic that you're um, speaking of, was a, a program that I developed um, and was really successful at Fort Campbell, where we looked at all the equipment that the battalion had available. And instead of trying to do everybody on the same schedule of training, it, there was five days of training modality and we broke it down. We, we were able to break it down into a place where there were where it was evenly split across the week. So, so say if Monday was a strength training day, uh, and all of our strength training days were total body days. We didn't do upper body splits. Every strength training day was was a total body strength training or work capacity day. Um, so we'd have a strength training day followed up by, and we, we tried to use the, um, the undulations. That way nobody was like overreaching at any point of the week. It didn't matter where they were in the program. They were always going to have an up and a down day by, before and after each other. Um, so it would be a strength training day then, um, a low intensity running day. So more like long, like uh, fartlek runs, um, followed by another strength training day then, but, but a lower intensity strength training day. So like if Monday we're training at like 85% or higher, uh, in output in terms of output on Monday, then on Wednesday strength training, we're training at like 50 to 75% output. So still moving, but we're now focused more on speed strength versus absolute strength. Um, the next day would be more of a high intensity run so now we're we're doing our our the, the energy system that never really gets worked in the army um our uh, acp um pcr and because uh, nobody does sprints everything is all about let's go run four miles let's go run 12 miles let's, so like that's an energy system that was one of the first things that i got there i knew from my experience but then coming in paying attention like we're not working this energy system at all But then you look at what they're going to do in combat and that's the energy system that's going to get used the most. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was how I was able to sell that program. I'm like, look, you guys are really good at beta oxidation and uh, glycolysis, but we're not really good here. When you go to combat, this is what you're going to use most and you're really good at this in reserves, but you don't have what you're going to use. And so I was able to like break that down into terms to leadership that they understood. And they were like, that actually makes a lot of sense. The training we're doing doesn't directly correlate to what we're going to use in combat. Why are we doing, mm. it? um, it, putting, learning how to communicate with army. If you're a civilian that's going into one of these positions or already in one of these positions, learning how to put things into terms that one, they understand and two are what they care about yeah. is going to be your greatest like, level of success. Like anybody can coach. If you're a coach in this field, you can go there you know, I, am a firm believer in the, the, I guess the thinking that there's no such thing as a bad program. There's only bad, uh, like effort, bad effort. Um, so if you can write a program, great. If you don't know how to talk to people at all echelons of leadership, mm-hmm. that's where that's
0: Downfall. yeah i would agree with that i don't think necessarily like and anytime someone comes to me and asks me about a specific program that they're doing or that they found or, or whatever i'm like it's not inherently bad and if you can commit to it and and if it works for you and if you feel like whoever it wrote it or whoever you got it from is like, they're doing it for your best self and for your best abilities and like, heck yeah, that's what makes a good program. Uh, But I think more often than not, when people come to me with questions like that, it's like, well, does this person care about the masses or are they in it for themselves? Uh, And and yeah, are you getting it from a quality coach? coach? I think only the like top 1% of elite athletes need legitimate programming, like science-based programming that's going to make those small 1% changes. But I'd say like 99% of the rest of the people, athletes included, like not just service members, but like athletes included, just need basic programming. And then and inc- if you want to include advanced things, do that because the athlete can do it or the service member can do it or because they like it. Um, but you don't have to go like people just make things way more complicated than it needs to be, I feel like
1: my philosophy for the 99% of people and your philosophies change and adapt as you age and get into the field more and learn sure. and talk to, and talk to people more. But the majority of like my philosophy for the 99% is work capacity. Mm-hmm. So everybody have a baseline strength, but like, I don't need everybody to be, you know, squatting 500 pounds or deadlifting 600 pounds or whatever the case may be. Like there's a baseline strength that allows you to then work on the actual work capacity. Like how much work can you get done in a given amount of time and how long can you continue to work? So that's, you know, for my, you know, soccer moms that I train or for my high school athletes, there's, there's baseline strength we need to get to, but then it's all about work capacity for me. Now that one percent, like you know, if I if I find myself working with a professional athlete, mm-hmm. um, that, that a professional athlete at a really high level, now we're gonna start working into looking into okay, like for you're you're already a, a freak of nature, like you're genetically just yeah. predisposed this level. You already are working to match your level. So like one, it's like okay, if your genetic potential is here, but you're only training here. Well, let's get your training up to your genetic potential. And then start trying to make those 1% increases. Um, if you've got somebody who they're working at their genetic potential, now it's like, okay, for you to get better at work capacity, we might actually need to increase your strength a little bit more. Or if we if you want to get a little bit faster, like if you're trying to get somebody to run, you know, from a four-four to a four three forty, technique with a little bit more strength is gonna help them get there. Like there, so that's Mm -hmm. where you start really getting into scientific stuff. But like for my soccer mom that I train two to three days a week, okay, we're going to get you to where, all right, you've got a five-year-old. Do you have any trouble picking your five-year-old up? How much is your Mm five-year-old
0: weigh?
1: All right, we can manage that 40 pounds in any given plane of motion. Now let's get you to where you can handle that 40 pounds for 30 minutes, for 40 minutes, for an hour. And now life just becomes easy.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's an incredible way to look at it. And shameless plug, I'll let let Brad talk a little bit about this at the end, but he does offer training both online and in person. He's located in Wilmington, North Carolina, as you can tell, incredibly knowledgeable and has been doing this for years as well. So find him, like I said, I'll let him plug himself at the end, but find him on Instagram or wherever, reach out to him. If you're looking for a good coach, Um, he definitely knows what he's talking about. So I want to transition the conversation just a little bit um, why I really wanted to have Brad on here. Um, He is someone who I is really open about uh, like mental health, um, all those kinds of things. Uh, And I think specifically not even just like a veteran, but also as a male, like that is something that is really hush hush for that population. Um, And so you had mentioned early on when you were kind of giving your introduction, like you, your transition out of the military and moving to a different location and all of that was for some like mental health reasons. Um, You don't necessarily have to get into like those specific reasons, but but I'm, I'm more curious as to like over, over, like as time has gone by over the years. Um, have you kind of always been that person who's like open about their mental health and like, who's always had people you can talk to about that? Has, is that something that's evolved for you? Uh, and what do you think has like helped a lot with that?
1: Um, so as you know, I'm open I'll, I'll talk about anything, uh, when it comes to that. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll get into some of it. Um, broad, broad picture, I think it's something that developed. Um, and there was a catalyst that made me basically adapt that mentality of, you know, if, if nobody's going to do it, then I'm going to be the one that's open about it. I'm going to talk about my problems. I'm going to talk about things that I've been there. Maybe what I've been through can help another male who also has, you know, gone through the stigma, especially the military, where you don't talk about mental health or just as a male in general, Mm -hmm. you don't talk about mental health. Um, so I would say for, for the, the first 20, 27, 28 years of my life, I I would say that I probably never had any issues with mental health. Okay. Um, I always just had a really positive disposition. Um, I think being in the military probably started a slow shift of that. Like, you know, certain situations you find yourself in, especially overseas, you just kind of have to like get cold a little bit to, to, to certain things. Um, and, but it was when I left the active duty, um, and even being in the national guard, it's just com- completely different. Um, completely. I mean, you you see the guys for, you know, three days a month, two days a month, maybe, you know, in a, two weeks in the summer. Um, so when I, when I got out and now I find myself as, you know, Billy Madison in college and the first things that were like really, uh, depressing and triggering for me was just like listening to kids complaints about trivial things mm-hmm. or what, what I deemed mm-hmm. as trivial things. Um, and so I just, I, I found myself slipping into depression. Um, and so that was the first period of time in my life where I kind of like stopped physical activity as well. Um, where, so I, I, like, I got up and this is over probably like a six month to a year transition to okay, so yeah. put it in, uh, with um, so you know when I first got out, I'm motivated going to school i'm I'm keeping up with my fitness, but then it you know slowly transitions to all right well i'm I'm gonna get out of bed five minutes before I have to leave to get on the train to go to school, go to school do my classwork, come home, and normally, where I would be like going to the gym in the afternoon, it just slowly became I don't really feel like it today. I need, my body's telling me I need a rest day. And then that just turned into months of not doing any kind of physical activity. And then, you know, obviously started gaining weight. I'm, I'm, you know, late twenties at this point. So metabolism is not the same as it was. I left a lifestyle where I was, physically training five days a week. And then still even on the weekends was living an active lifestyle. I would go, go to the hike. I'd go surf at the beach when I was in Savannah, I'd like do, I, I lived an active lifestyle on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So seven days a week I was burning calories. And now I'm going to a place where I'm eating more and not training, not living an active lifestyle really and gain weight. So this is the first time I gained weight. Um, mm-hmm. Had some really good friends, um, reached out to me and was like, Hey man, like I'm obviously not going to call you out on social media, but I've noticed some changes in you. Like, how is, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and so had some people that I was fortunate enough that were close enough that I felt comfortable talking to about everything. Um, kind of gave me a gut check and said like, you know, you need to get your shit together. And I'm like, you're right. I do. Um, so that at that point it was easy. Like I, I hadn't gotten too far gone, no medication, no actual, um, diagnosis of depression, but I, I would say I was definitely depressed at that point. Um, no, no thoughts of suicide or anything like that. It was a very mild case. And I, and I got my shit together, started going back to the gym, got in shape, um, kind of got a new lease on life. And, and that went into like finishing school and getting into a professional coaching career. Um, So COVID happens, um, Mm -hmm. and I, like a lot of people, found myself, again, sitting at home. Good old COVID. Um, I was much more fortunate than a lot of strength coaches during this time, and the fact that – so I was at NYU at this point, and they had um, basically promised or came up with a plan where, like, no full-time staff was going to be laid off or – um, anything or like lose their jobs or anything like that. So like they just found ways to reutilize us. So, but I went from, you know, co- at that, you know, coaching at the D3 level, there's one coach for all teams. And so I was working, you know, I, my first team would be at 6 a.m. and I would leave to go home at eight nine o'clock at night. So I was on my feet literally all day long for 12 plus hours a day. Now to go home and I'm on the couch and I have to do like three or four like video workouts a day for the rec department. And did that if I wasn't doing that. And I was in New York, so like it wasn't like I could then just like go and spend my day doing stuff because nothing was open. I mean, even the even the the open air parks up there closed. Like they were there were the the gates were closed. They were chained. You couldn't even go in open air parks. Um, So it was like I was literally just stuck in my house for for months. Um, it was during this time. Uh, so this is, you know, 2020 into early 2021. Um, my best friend, uh, we joined the army at the same time together. We met just after basic training, went on our, all our deployments together. I mean, this is, I mean, this is you know, as close to a, a soulmate as a person could have other than their spouse. Um, like his is my family. I'm still to this day in, in touch with his family. I see him any chance I get. Um, but he took his own life in January of 2021, where I was already just in a bad place myself. Uh Um, that really sent me down a really, really dark depression. Uh And I think it was April, March or April of that year. Um, I had decided I was going to take my own life. I just didn't want to be here anymore. Um, my wife had gotten to a point where she was going back into the city for meetings on periodic basis. Uh, I knew that there was a day where she was going to be going into the city and was going to be gone for several hours. Um, I, I wrote a note, I printed it out Mm -hmm. put it on an envelope. I bought flowers and put it beside the flowers. Um, and when she left for work, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna kill myself. Um, and then uh, and I even had left in a note, I was like, don't go in the bedroom, just call nine one one or like something mm-hmm. to that effect. Well, this just happens to be a day where, uh, she forgot like her phone or her computer or something. And so she'd been gone for this point at like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And I'm like, all right, if I'm going to do it. I got to do it now. And it took her that long to get from the train station back to our place and she didn't stop to like, look at the stuff on the table. Cause she was like in a rush because she forgot whatever it was. She forgot She like bust in the bedroom at the time that I had a gun in my mouth. And obviously it scared the shit out of her it scared the shit out of mm-hmm. me. Um, she handled it much better than I think I would have, or m- many other people would have. She was really calm um, and just came sat beside me and you know grabbed the gun um put it away and then just like hugged me and we we cried and she asked me you know all the questions she was like i knew i knew i knew it wasn't great um and she just didn't realize you know a lot of people probably a lot of people in the coaching field are very similar in that we care so much about other people Mm. that we don't ever like put on when things are bad for us because we just have to be that person mm-hmm. for, for so many other people. It's not just like once or are Tuesdays, like, you know, college strength coach, I've got 650 athletes that I had to like put on for. Yeah. And so you, you know, do that for so much for so long and it's like, you don't, you don't show that things are going bad for you. Uh, and probably also due to the stigma of being a male, being a veteran, like you don't, mm-hmm. you, you don't, you don't show your emotions. Um, So, so that happens. Um, I am thankful to this day. And I, and I, and I thank her every day for being a forgetful person that, (laughs) you know, like now, anytime she forgets something, I'm like, I don't need my life saved today. We're good. Yeah. Uh, And so make a little bit of joke out of it, but I mean, obviously it's a very serious thing. Um, Yeah. I'm going to pause you
0: for a second. First. Yes. I'm very glad that, that she was forgetful that day. Um, and also you've never like said this whole story to me before. So this is even my first time hearing it. So, so even more, I'm grateful that you're even talking about it on this podcast as well. Um, a couple of things I wanted to like unpack before you continue to talk more. One was like kind of early on when you mentioned like during COVID, um, like coaches and you mentioned this kind of towards the end, like coaches are just such good coaches anyways are such passionate people and we're we're always putting I, i might even cry talking about this just because it's something that i'm passionate about and when i care deeply about something i get emotional and i cry um but like coaches just care so much about people and we continually put other people first and i think that's what makes a good coach a good coach but at the end of the day like you said we don't put ourselves first And in that time, you talked about COVID, like a lot of coaches were losing their jobs or they're like just so used to like, and even for you being a veteran, like on top of that, you had other things that you were dealing with. So like from sunup to sundown, like you mentioned, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. most days and sometimes even longer, like we're busy, we're on our feet. So we don't have time to think about our problems. We're around other people. We're caring for other people. We're pouring into other people. And then COVID happens and everything slows down and we're like stuck at home, some of us by ourselves, like I was by myself, my roommate at the time had gone home, like right before everything shut down. And I spent like months by myself. And like, that's fucking hard to do when you're dealing with some other stuff that you've been putting off for so long. And like I said, coaches like gyms were closing, like, you couldn't really even like, if you were working in a university setting, you didn't really have the option to go work at, conventional gym because those were all closed and even for a lot of us like training was our outlet right all those years that we had been putting these things aside like training was our outlet and now we didn't even have somewhere to go to train unless if you had a home gym or something like that um and so yeah i think that's that's something that's huge and and so my my question would be as as i paused you like moving into that what um like i mentioned i'm I'm very grateful that you're able to talk about this and, and all of that um what was the biggest thing I know you mentioned your wife came home obviously she's been a huge impact for that and like I said I'm thankful for her as well um but as you started to you mentioned your buddy had taken his life and then you thought about taking yours and you actually got to the point where you almost did what was the biggest change for you as far as helping you move forward and move past that
1: Um, I mean, it definitely wasn't easy. There was, you know, probably several weeks where, I mean, due to my own instruction where I had, I just had my wife, I was like, just, you're going to be leaving the house more frequently. Like I'm, you're, you're not yourself when, when you get to that point You're because like in, in a sane mind or in a, in, in a, a mentally healthy place like taking your life is not a, like, it's not something you like, you think about and you're like, why the fuck would I do that? Like, so you, you get to a place where you're not yourself. And so like, you're not just like her coming home. Doesn't just snap you out of that. Um, so I, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to buy a safe. I want you to put it somewhere. Don't tell me where it is and put all of these things in that safe. And like, you have the key. I don't want to know anything about the key. So it was like one was taking steps that I knew I needed to take. Um, then it was talking to some of my closest friends that I knew that I could trust. Um, and then they all were like, dude, like, it's great. You're telling me, but like, are you going to therapy? Are you taking medicine? Are you doing all these things? And I'm like, no, like I'm talking to you. I don't need to go to therapy because men don't go to therapy. Um, and finally one of them talked me into is like, look, I know everything's closed right now. Um, there's this app that I use, um, it's called cerebral. I think they're still around. Um, I haven't used it in a couple of years. I still go to therapy every week. I just go to an in-person therapist now. Um, excuse me. And so I I download this app, um, and I start, you have to see, um, you do virtual calls, but you have to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist, Um, one of them is, and I still don't know the difference. One of them is able to prescribe medication. And one of them is just basically like you talk to them. Um, so you, and, and they talk to each other to work out your, your medication, but I got on that and it actually was, was really good because now I have still, you know, most things are shut down. We didn't go back to work at NYU until like fall of, uh, or late summer, early fall of 2021. Um, so I had time on my side where I could take care of myself for, for once. Um, and so I was able to dive into a lot of the the, the recent issues that were causing me to feel that way um, and then also just unpack the, the years of trauma that have been like just put in a box and shut the lid, um, whether it was, you know, things in the military, um, you know, caused Diagnosed or undiagnosed PTSD, childhood trauma that nobody ever wants to talk about because, <laughs> uh, you know why? Um, mm-hmm. so just got to unpack years and years of stuff over the next couple of months, um, and got me on medication. Um, I was, you know, I think I was taking like 300 milligrams of Wolbuchner a day, um, and one other thing, I can't remember what it was, but, um, those are the first big steps was actually talking to somebody, a qualified professional, not just your friends, like talking to your friends is great. Yeah. And that's a, and that's, that's a positive step in the right direction. Um, but actually like getting help from a qualified person that knows how to help you deal with things like your friends might like listen to you and be supportive, but they don't know how to help you actually process and deal with, with certain emotions or certain memories or, or whatever it is. um, um so I got into therapy and then another, another good friend of mine, um, I'll plug people on here. So Johanse Bolden, a traveling man on Instagram. Um, I've become Instagram friends with him as well. Um, most of the people that I would call my closest friends now, I've actually met through the the network of Instagram Mm -hmm. and like, uh, mutual friends and things like that. I always talk crap
0: about Uh, it, but like, and how much I hate social media, but it's brought some incredible people into my life. And for that, I'm thankful (laughs)
1: Um, so I was talking to him and he was like, man, you know, I understand, obviously you've got some like actual legitimate mental health things going on. Um, uh, he was like, but you need to, you're in your thirties now. Things aren't going to work the same way they did through your teens and twenties. Um, have you had your, um, your blood work done, test your testosterone levels, your estrogen levels, all the, all your different hormones. And I was like, I was like, no, like I train all the time. Like why would my testosterone, testosterone should be fine and he, he convinced me to get it tested and it turns out like my testosterone was like just almost non-existent. Um, my wife did it with me at the same time just to check her hormone and see how her things were going. She actually had a higher testosterone count than I did at the time. Um, so got on TRT, um, and finally actually got on TRT in, um, January of 2022. Uh, so not even two years yet. I've been on that. Um, And, you know, granted, this is, you know, 2021. So only, you know, two and a half years ago at this point that, that, you know, I had a gun in my mouth. So 2022, basically, you know, almost a year later, I'm finally on TRT. I'm in therapy, taking medication. Um, Turns out that the hormones were honestly a big part of it. There was obviously a lot of real sadness and depression from going to be in a super active person to and interacting with humans on a daily basis to sitting at home and not interacting with anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the hormones during that time also took a hit. And, and so once I got all of that in check, um, probably around June of 2022 through talking with my um, TRT uh, doctor and my psychologist and psychiatrist was able to wean myself completely off of um, depression medication. Um, it was, it was a slow process, but, so I've been off of Wellbutrin and the other medicine, um, for a little over a year now, just clean. So I'm, I'm on TRT, um, low dosage, not like, you know, trying to, what I actually got on it to lose weight, not to get jacked. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it does help in that front. I'll be honest, like, you know, (laughs) having your hormones in the right place, it helps your body look and feel the way it's supposed to. Um but that's another thing that I'm completely honest about. People are like, you got so much shape. I'm like medical steroids, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you, but it is, it it legitimately is medicine. Um, naturally I just wasn't producing what I needed to produce. So now I'm on TRT. Um, I guess really and truly is, uh, HRT because I'm not, on, not just on testosterone. They got me on a couple other things too, for full like hormone replacement. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, uh, Another plug along with going to see therapist and, and all that like men in your thirties, like go get your hormones checked yeah. because if, if you're feeling like shit when you never felt like shit, if you don't sleep, if you don't have a sex drive, if you're just tired all the time, those are all the big symptoms for low testosterone and not only low testosterone, but high estrogen and like uh, high cortisol levels. Your you know blood pressure could be all messed up like insurance to pay for it. But if not, there's a lot of clinics out there that are super affordable out of pocket where you can like get yourself fixed
0: yeah i don't think a lot of people recognize like what's going on internally physiologically answer whatever related word when there are mental health issues going on. Like it does start in the brain, but it does play out in all other aspects of your health. Um, and people just want, like you said, I think there's nothing wrong with taking medications for it. Right. But use that as like quickly, I need help and this. I'm going to take medications Mm -hmm. and then begin to go get other things looked at so that, like you said, you you weaned off of it and you can find more like traditional ways of, of kind of treating whatever mental health issue that you have going on. Um, and I mentioned like you are a hunter kind of want to tie hunting into this a little bit as well. Um, do you think that that like hunting and being in the outdoors like specifically in that time of your life like played a role in just being able to like whether it was really some things or just like change your environment and do you think that that kind of helped with with some mental health things as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, during that time, that was really the only thing you could do was, you know, living up in New York, um, just not far outside of the city. There's lots of opportunities for hiking. um, And that was the one thing we could do. So like the days that I was able to just go out and be in nature and and that's kind of just my entire life. I just feel better outside. Um, You know, I'm not going to get into all the like, you know, liver king grounded, stuff, but there is. There definitely is something to being connected to nature. Um, I always feel, even today, like I always feel my best when I'm outside. Like a lot of times when I go hunting, like I'll go with not even the intent of like shooting anything. I just want to go sit in a tree and be quiet and like listen to nature Mm -hmm. and watch nature. Um, Now, if I like right now, I've actually got to put some meat in the freezer, so I'm not going to turn out an opportunity. (laughs) No hunting
0: with zero intent right now.
1: Right, right now I need to put some meat in the freezer. So, um, uh, really fortunate that you know there's a lot of public land around here that I can go hunt, uh, and live in an area where um, I have the opportunity to hunt black bear. Um, and there's a place nearby, and I got my I, I got a tag for North Carolina. So, um, come November 11th, I'll be in the black bear woods. Heck yeah! Uh, so. I'm I'm excited for you. Um,
0: My my black bear hunt did not go. I mean, it went went very well. (laughs) Um, Just wasn't able to execute. Um, So yeah, I'm excited. That'll be really fun for you.
1: Oh no, I was gonna say yeah. Being outside is, um, especially if you grew up, even if you didn't grow up that in that lifestyle. Like find ways to get outside, be in nature. Like you don't have to be a hunter. Yeah. Yeah, go hike but like there there's definitely you know again, without getting all like whatever there's there's something said to being connected to nature, and I, I'm not saying go outside and be barefoot and don't wear sunscreen, yeah. but. Uh, wear sunscreen. You know, wear some wear something on your feet, but uh, just be outside. Yeah, there's definitely a health benefit to that.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Both through like personal experience, and then like there's legitimate research on it as well. Um, but and yes. you had kind of mentioned during COVID, I was living here in Colorado at the time, and like I was in grad school, but I had come out here for grad school for the purpose of like I wanted to be in the outdoors and through being a full-time student and like having an internship and a job like 12, 13, 14 hour days sometimes. I never got to experience Colorado for what it was but COVID ended up being like despite any mental health things that might have come up during that time a blessing in disguise because my life slowed down and I finally got to get outside and I don't think Had I not been here in Colorado, like I think over the span of a couple of months, I did a hundred miles of hiking and all these different places. And like, that was huge for me. (laughs) And had I not been able to get outside and do that, who knows, who knows how things would have ended for me. Right. Um, But yeah, Yeah. there's, there's legit research on it. And and if, if nothing else, if you're afraid to see somebody like to go seek help, if you're afraid to talk to a friend about it, if you don't want to be on any medications, Go outside and, and you'll see some increases, some like increases in your mental health. I promise. <laughs>
1: yeah. Go outside, get your heart rate up, sweat, eat good whole food. And like, that's the start. Like, yeah. Stop eating processed food. Go outside, put some strain on your body. The body is designed to move and be outside. Like, if you can do those three things and get some sleep, so four things that like get real quality sleep, those will help a lot but you might still be in a place where you need to talk to somebody eventually. But like those, those four things, if you can do those, your life will improve overnight. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I would agree. While we are coming up kind of on an hour here. Um, as I kind of mentioned before we started recording, uh, I'm going to ask all of my guests at the end. Um, what does wild strength look like to you or, or how are you embodying wild strength in your life currently?
1: Uh, wild strength. Um, I think right now for me, the the way I'm training is just to make life easy. Um, and what life looks like for me is hunting, being active, going to the beach, like being in the water, climbing trees. Uh, I'm a saddle one stick hunter. So like it's actually like climbing to get up. Um, but wild strength for me is just being being good at life mm. um, And whatever that life is for you like you don't have to be as active as i am um or other people are but like train and have a baseline strength that just accommodates whatever lifestyle you live and i think right now that's how i would answer that question
0: yeah no and i would agree i think um like in each day that can look different right like maybe one day um All you did was go outside for a walk, but like the next day you were able to get a good training session and and that what wild strength means to you and I like that you kind of said right now that's how I would answer that question because that can be ever evolving and it can look different day to day or week to week. Um, So I think that was kind of a really good way to end that one. This has been really great. And once again, thank you for being super open about that time in your life. Um, And for talking about that, I think, like I said, especially in men, um, mental health is very a hush hush topic. And um, so not only sharing your story, but also kind of talking about how you kind of got through that and what kind of help you were able to seek out. And hopefully anyone who listens to this, who, has maybe gone through something similar and is kind of in that place where they don't know what to do. I hope that they were able to take something away from this. And that was the, the real reason why I wanted to have you on and for this for this episode. So that's been great. Um, tell people where they can find you. I, I mentioned kind of a shameless plug in the middle of this recording about uh, your training and, and you're offering some online training. But where can they find you on social media? How can they get in contact with you if they are interested in working with you?
1: Yeah. Um, so Instagram is the best place. Um, my primary page is, um, just underscore Brad underscore Godbold underscore. Um, I have, uh, links in there to it, but my like fitness page that I'm, I'm developing my online coaching um, thing actually right now is something that is the newest thing in my life as I'm really diving into building my online coaching business. Um, but you can find that on Facebook and Instagram at first law fitness. Um, that's just first with the, the number one in ST Law Fitness. Um, and I'm going to be rolling some stuff out there. I'm using Trainerize as a delivery platform. Um, so you just, you know, it's one more app on your phone, which what's one more app to, to anybody nowadays, um, but gets your custom programming delivered right to your phone. You can record everything. Uh, you take your pictures, you can like connect your smartwatch to it or your Fitbit or whatever. So it's just like, puts all of your data in one place for you and I both see as well as tracking your program um, and giving you another uh, avenue of communication with me.
0: Go find Brad on Instagram. And like I said, he obviously talked about his education experience early on, um, but I can vouch for him as well. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of the wild strength podcast. As always, when I end these, if you could, please go find the page on Instagram wild strength podcast, give it a follow. There you can find clips of the podcast and recordings. Um, These are also posted on YouTube where you can watch the whole video, um, as well as streaming on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. So if there's a platform that you prefer outside of those, and maybe I haven't posted there yet, let me know and I can figure it out how to get there. But I do know I kind of just stuck with the main ones um, to begin with. And that is your biggest way to Show me that you support this podcast and that you're listening and that you enjoy it. And I appreciate that a ton. Thank you so much.